It's great to continue in this series on freedom as we read through the book of Galatians, but it's always weird to have like a reading like John the Baptist beheaded and just sort of push it aside. So I just want to acknowledge that's a weird thing. We'll come back to that at a later date. Sometimes we come across a a passage in Scripture that stirs up our imagination from long ago. And since we started this series and really this whole week as I've been reflecting on Galatians chapter 5, I have had an earworm. You know, one of those songs that gets in your head and or comes back to you and stays with you. And I want to share that song with you because it's it's from Galatians chapter 5. So I'm going to sing. So just bear with me. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where He goes, there is freedom, holy freedom. Is the echo there? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where He goes, there is freedom, holy freedom. There's freedom from sin and bondage, holy freedom. He's freed us from sin and bondage, holy freedom. So I share that with you because it summarized for me Galatians chapter 5. It's been in my head for more than 20 years, and maybe now it'll be stuck in your head too. But as we talk about Galatians today, I think it really sums up what we're about. I've been pondering what it means to have freedom, both as citizens of this great country that we live in and also as Christians. And I'm wondering if freedom means that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want to. Is it about us and what our wants are, or is freedom a gift that we've received from God in order that we can live in right relationship with God and with each other? Well, this theme of our preaching series of freedom, I think, really places us right in the middle of this very question. And just to recap where we are and where we've been, you remember Paul is the good church planner, has been in Galatia. He's been away for a while, and he's checking back on his people. And It seems that, you know, in this preaching circuit that others have come following him and offered um, some different teaching to what Paul had had. We've talked about this, right? There's there's two groups that come up in this chapter, but primarily over the last few weeks we've been hearing about the Judaizing Christians, that that group of followers of Jesus who think that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you also have to be a follower of the law of Moses. We've talked about that a lot. We hear that language of circumcision over and over as we've gone through Galatians. Paul's very clear that in Christ we're not replacing the law of Moses with another law to follow, but that through following Christ and the spirit of Christ leads us to right actions in the world. Another group that Paul is contending with, we begin to see here in Galatians, and he's going to continue to talk about it a bit later in his ministry, um, our group of of early Gnostics. Now, Gnost, that word knowledge means uh, knowledge, secret knowledge. This is a, an early heresy in the church. And basically, it goes like this. Um, if you think that the flesh and the spirit are not connected, right, if they, if they are opposed to each other, and that was some early Greek thought that was going around, then the Gnostics taught what matters is what you do with your spirit, so it doesn't really matter what happens in your flesh, so that you're free to do whatever you want to in your flesh, And Paul is saying, 
actually, no, guys, these things are connected, and, and what we do with our bodies actually matters. Paul was a good Jew, and that is a good rootedness that our flesh and spirit are together make up who we are as gifts from God. But Paul's struggle in, in teaching the Galatians, I think, is, is a struggle that, that we share today. And that's, what's the, the difference between freedom and license? Is there a difference between what we as Christians are allowed to do and what we should do? So here's a quick example of what I'm talking about. What's an acceptable behavior for Christian people? Is it okay for Christian people to drink wine? Some Christian groups say, no way, never, absolutely not. Alcohol is of the devil, you should never touch it. As Episcopalians, we share a cup of wine every week when we gather together because we remember what Jesus and his disciples did in the Last Supper. We might even enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. We feel that as Christians, we have the freedom to enjoy beer or wine up to a certain point, but I think we also want to respect the perspective of other people. A lot of people in the world today think that what makes someone a good Christian is doing certain things and not doing other things, going to church, not drinking, being nice, and yet, as the great song reminds us, they will not know that we're Christians by what we do and don't do, but they will know we are Christians by our love. See, the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit that we hear about today are not a new list of things for us to memorize. It's not a new law that Paul is giving to us, but they reflect how we live our life in freedom in Christ. If we're being led by Christ's Spirit in our actions, then we'll see the fruits of the Spirit. One of the things I think that's so great about this passage from Galatians chapter 5 is that Paul brings up something that Jesus brings up that's brought up in Torah, the book of Leviticus. Jesus' great teaching about how we're to live in right relationship with each other, right? It's really simple. We know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's in Leviticus 19. Jesus talks about it in the Gospels, and here it is again in the Epistles. It's in the whole trinity of the Bible, right? The Hebrew Bible, the Gospels, and the Epistles. All three contain the same teaching, so you, we, we got it, right? But what does it mean to love our neighbor? It's something that we continue to struggle with. And I think what it means for us, again, it's not a list of rules to follow, things to do and not to do, but we ought to think through what that means for us. If I love myself and I get hungry, I go and find something to eat, Right? So if my neighbor is hungry, then if I love them like I love myself, I should go and find them something to eat. And you can extrapolate this example into a hundred different ways, and then we should remember that Jesus taught, who is my neighbor? Well, everyone that I encounter is my neighbor. And just like Jesus did in his ministry, as we read through the Gospels, every person that Jesus encountered, he had something for. He loved them out of his self, right? For some people, he loved them by giving them food. For some people, he loved them by healing them of their illness. For some people, he loved them by giving them kind of a harsh word, a correction to their misunderstanding of God. For some people, he loved them by raising them from the dead. For some people, he loved them by weeping with them when they were sad. And so we can see if we are guided by the Spirit of Christ in our lives, then we too 
will know how to love our neighbor as ourselves. This week, we um, were told the list of the fruits of the Spirit, and I wanted to talk to you about what I think that means for us. Um, I am not a very successful fruit tree grower. In fact, it's one of the things in my life I wish I was better at that I'm really not. You can ask my wife. Um, I uh, know, though, that in order for a fruit tree to grow, a seed has to be planted, needs to be watered, the soil needs to be right, it needs to be fertilized, and it needs to spend time in the sun, right? You've got to get all those things right for a tree to, to grow, and then for it to bear fruit, sometimes it takes some pruning and some trimming and some other things as well. I think the same is true for us in our Christian life and faith. If we are going to be Jesus' followers and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, we too have to be seeded with the Word of God. That seed has to be watered through our prayer and worship, and we need to spend time with the Son, the Son of God, in order for that fruit to bear in our lives. In the old days in the church, people were much more likely to come to their pastors um, with spiritual questions and issues, like you would go to your doctor. You know, you go, we go to our doctors because we're, we're struggling with some sort of physical ailment or we need some help with something that's going on with us biologically. In the old days, it was much more common for people to go to their, their clergy, their pastors, their priests to express spiritual concerns. And today I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to claim the church's role in all of our lives in providing uh, a prescription for the disease that is the human condition, that of, of sin and bondage, that is being stuck. Um, the, heal, the cure for that disease, of course, is freedom in Christ, but a prescription for us, a daily prescription, I might add, on how to get there is to work with God that we might cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our own life. Now, there are nine of them. You don't have to memorize them. They're nine, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goes on. And I think that love of God, of self, and neighbor guides everything that we do. And I believe that joy is the outcome from living into the fruits of the Spirit. So there's seven more. It happens to be seven days in a week. You with me? All right. Today's Sunday. Love, joy, peace. What if the rest of today, you and I set about with God's help, asking for God's Spirit to lead and guide us, thought, prayed, meditated, and worked on how we could cultivate peace in our lives and in the world. In just a few minutes, we're going to share God's peace with each other. And at the end of the service, we're going to be sent into the world with the peace of God that passes all understanding. But what if it didn't stop there? What if for the rest of this day, each of us took that prescription that I'm about to give us and filled it at the pharmacy and that we spent the rest of the day really thinking and praying about how we might cultivate peace in our own life, that we might bear the spiritual fruit of peace in the world. What does that look like? How might we do that? Tomorrow, it's another day. What could we do to practice patience? How might God help us to be more patient people? And not just for us and our own personal lives, but how might we help other people to experience patience as a fruit of God's spirit in our lives, in our church, and in our world? There'll be some temptation tomorrow, no doubt, in our warden's meeting with our rector for some uh, rush 
rash actions following general convention? How might we pray for them to cultivate a practice of patience in our church, in our diocese, and in the world? You see where I'm going with this? If you've got Galatians chapter 5, you've got the fruits of the Spirit, there are nine, love and joy, guide and are an outcome. But if today was peace and tomorrow was patience and so on and so forth, I'm going to commend that practice to you. In fact, I'm going to offer a prescription for each of us today, and I'm going to hope and pray that you will take me up on it, and I hope that you'll reach out to me during the week and let me know how it's going for you, and I'll be happy to share how it's going for me, and maybe even next Sunday uh, before or after the service, you can tell me how the week's been for you. Now, this doesn't have to be a one-week thing. This can be an all-life thing, Um, but if Paul encourages us to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, we do so by the power of God's grace and love, I hope that that we can commit to doing that together. And I'm really curious to see what will happen. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your presence among us, for the ministry of your servant Paul, as he continued to encourage the Galatians and their following of you. Help us to trust and rely, Lord Jesus, on your spirit guiding our lives, not that we have traded one set of rules and regulations for another, but that the outcome of living by your spirit bears fruit in our lives and in the life of this world. Help us through the power of your spirit to cultivate that fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, self-control. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the spirit in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.